You are listening to the Supermama's Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 148. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 148. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. I missed you last week. I did not put out a podcast last week, and I usually do it every two weeks, if you haven't noticed. I am really good with commitments. If I say I'm going to do something, I really do it. And I had to coach myself into doing a little slacking off last week, a little strategic slacking, because I was so overwhelmed with getting the house on the market and all the last minute details that go into that and having it staged and cleaned and inspected. And oh my goodness. So I had to take my own advice and just drop the ball. So uh, that's why I didn't I put out a podcast last week. Part of me wants to apologize. And then the other part of me is like, it's your podcast story. You get to do what you want to do. But I am such a, I don't know, reliable, trustworthy person that I feel like it's good for me to be flaky once in a while. So I'm going to not apologize. I'm going to celebrate my strategic flaky slacking off because it was for a good cause. It was for mental health and sanity. And it's that's always a good cause. So I am role modeling, I guess, for you all out there. And it worked. I got my brain back. I got my house on the market. I am currently hibernating in my lake house while people traipse through and I cannot have to worry about trying to keep it clean this week. So lots going on. But today I'm really excited about this topic. It's been noodling in my brain for a while because I had a client ask me, how do you take care of your own emotional needs? Like, I want to do that. I want to be able to take care of my own emotional needs and not be dependent on anyone else. <laughs> and in this case, it's we're particularly talking about husbands, spouses, partners, okay? So I'm going to read today's question, and I think you're going to really like it, especially today's kryptonite and supermom power boost. So make sure you listen all the way to the end because it's a good one. So today's question says, how can I take care of my own emotional needs? I have tried too many times in too many ways to get my husband to be more empathetic and supportive. I want him to listen to me tenderly and connect with me emotionally without being dismissed, you know, without him dismissing me. The vulnerability of putting myself out there and telling him what I need and then not getting it is too much for me to bear. I have been super understanding and accommodating towards him. It's not fair that I don't get what I need from him. I think we would coexist peacefully if I could feel less dependent on him. Is there a way to take care of my own emotional needs? Isn't that a good question? I just think this is such a good topic. So the parent educator answer or the answer that's sort of just the advice and the how-tos 
is yes. Can you take care of your own emotional needs? 100%. And I highly recommend doing it. I think it's a beautiful thing. Can you live in isolation and not ever need other people? 100% no. We are social creatures and we need other people around us for our own mental well-being. So even though you're talking about your husband, this client is talking about her husband, this is a very common occurrence with moms of teenagers. So moms will often come to coaching thinking, I need my teen to be happy in order for me to be happy. Or I need my teenager to be nice to me so that I can feel loving towards him. I need my teen to get good grades or have good friends or whatever so that I can feel like a good parent. Whenever we put our ability to be happy in the hands of someone else, it feels icky. It's not a good feeling. I need you to act a certain way so that I can feel what I want to feel. It's not a clean, (laughs) clean emotion to be in. It's not a good, clean state. So I got into a debate discussion with Rachel Simmons about this. She's the author of Odd Girl Out. I was at a girls leadership training and she was talking about helping adolescent girls resolve conflict. And she suggested that adolescent girls express their needs to their friends as a way to resolve conflict and strengthen their relationship. Like, I need you to respond to my texts within 24 hours, or I need you to remember my birthday in order for me to feel appreciated. I'm listening to this thinking, that sounds awful. (laughs) And it sounds like a lie. I don't need you to do anything for me to love and appreciate you. I like you. You are my friend. You be you. I'll be me. And I love you because I want to and I feel like it. That to me feels so much cleaner. You can text me or not text me. You can celebrate my birthday or not. I don't care. I just want to love you and appreciate you for being you feels cleaner to me. Okay. You guys can argue this with me if you want, like Rachel did. Rachel liked the vulnerability that is required when someone admits, I need something from you. She thought that that kind of vulnerability would bring this couple closer, these adolescent girls closer, like, I need you. (laughs) I need something from you. Now, couples counselors use this terminology as well to help open up the lines of communication and bring two people together through kind of mutual vulnerability and connection, right? Counselors and therapists want couples to reflect on what their needs are and how their partner can fulfill these needs. So you can see why this area gets a little gray and fuzzy. Now, Being able to reflect on what your needs are and communicate them to your partner is certainly a step up from blame and using statements like, you never listen to me, he never does what I want. That does not lead to a productive outcome. So certainly expressing your needs and to your partner is a, a step up from blame. And the act of reflecting on what you need is super helpful. Like, I know for a fact that I need affection, but I don't need my husband to be the one to give it to me. Because if I need affection, and that's a core basic need, and my husband is not a touchy-feely person, I still want to be happy. (laughs) If I'm choosing to stay in this marriage, I want to be happy and fulfilled. 
So I can go up and hug strangers on the street. I can get massages. I can cuddle my dog, my cat, my girlfriends. Expecting your partner to be the only one to fulfill your needs puts a lot of pressure on them. It puts pressure on the relationship and it puts you in a vulnerable, precarious position where the only way for you to get your needs met is dependent on the mood of your partner, right? Like if they're in the mood for it, if they're not too stressed, if they're not too busy, if they're not preoccupied, if they're remember what it is you want, if they're not too self-focused, like it's so much pressure on them, on the relationship, and on you that you don't get to have your needs fulfilled if there's only one person, one human person (laughs) who can fulfill those needs. When my child was first born, my firstborn, new mom, new baby, I felt very vulnerable. And I admit I felt super needy. I was scared like every day, (laughs) you know, you've got this precious little baby's life that is in your hands. And it made me really, really anxious. One of the things my brain, my anxious brain chose to think about and focus on was something bad happening to my husband because I felt so dependent on him. Like before I became a mom, I felt like a pretty independent person. I had a job. I earned a paycheck. I had a life. Well, all of a sudden, I didn't have a job. I was financially dependent on my husband's support. I felt I was dependent on him physically, his physical help to like, you know, rock the baby to sleep. My my kid needed a lot of um, bouncing and walking. He didn't, he wasn't a sitter or a good sleeper. And I needed that emotional support that just like I wasn't alone in the caring of this newborn. So all of this neediness made me freaked out and scared. And I would think about him dying or leaving me and I would just, my anxiety would go through the roof because there's nothing I could do about that in the moment, right? It's not a productive worry. So as I did the work to overcome that stress and did my therapy and my life coaching and reduce my anxiety. I never want to go back to that. I never want to go back to feeling needy and vulnerable in that same way. And so with my baby, I kind of was the same way. I would sing that song like, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. But I hated the line that says, please don't take my sunshine away. It's like, I don't want to be reminded that any moment something could happen to take my baby away. So I would change the lyrics to no one will take my sunshine away. (laughs) Like, I am not going to put that out of the universe because I didn't want to feel that fear. And so I think I have this visceral response to expressing one's needs to somebody else because I've done that so much and I know it doesn't feel good to me. I don't need help feeling vulnerable. I feel vulnerable every day. I feel vulnerable walking down the street at night. (laughs) Like (laughs) I have easy access to vulnerability. So if somebody doesn't, then maybe expressing that you need something from a partner is healthy and good. But back then, when I was really anxious, my need was security. I needed to feel secure 
but asking my husband and my child not to die so that I could feel secure was not the answer or not to leave me or it just made me super clingy and worried and desperate, right? So I had to do the inner work to learn how to feel secure no matter what happened to them. And that was a very worthwhile journey, right? Like, how can I feel secure and happy even if my partner and baby were to die? Like, that's some deep work and it's so worth doing. I can't even tell you. We all have a need to feel seen, heard, and felt which is what I'm hearing in this client's question. Like she wants to feel seen, heard, and felt by her partner. Well, if your partner's active listening is the only way you get that need met, then it puts a lot of pressure on a relationship that also needs to get dishes done, homework done, children fed, carpool, and the walk the dog, right? Like it's a busy life. So being able to take care of your own emotional needs, I think is a brilliant strategy. Paying for what we want keeps the relationship clean. Whether it's a therapist or a life coach or a massage therapist, the rules are simple. (laughs) This is all about you. This is your time to get your needs met. Writing your thoughts in a journal can get you really connected with your inner world. It can help you feel heard and seen and listened to. Having girlfriends or support groups that go deep are great, like Facebook groups, other online forums designed for deep and meaningful conversations, and that kind of emotional support that maybe you can't get in your daily life can give you what you're looking for. Books and podcasts that speak to your soul can also help you meet your own emotional needs. Sometimes authors and now podcasters are probably like my favorite way to feel, to get the emotional support that I'm looking for. When we take care of our own emotional needs, everything else we get on top of that is icing on the cake. We feel empowered and free because we trust ourselves to pay attention to our heart's desire and find many ways to fulfill that desire. So today's life coaching answer, what gets in our way from taking care of our own emotional needs? Oh, is it a doozy? It is the social programming that teaches kids, especially girls, not to want things, not to want the things they want. Girls and women are encouraged to not pay attention to their desires or to believe they're worthy of pursuing them right? That they're worth pursuing. When we're little, we all knew what we wanted. Like kids are very aware of their desires. They know what they want. And we too knew what we wanted. But society taught us to swallow it and do instead what everybody else is doing. You shouldn't want dessert for breakfast, even though you do. You Maybe you do want to run around outside with your friends, I understand, but you should be a good girl and sit inside on hard chairs like everybody else is in your class. Through these small, subtle ways, we kind of socialize each other not to want what we want and to diminish our own desires. Society sends us messages like, you should be generous, but not a pushover. You should be confident, but not cocky. You should care about your appearance, but don't try too hard. (laughs) We get so many messages about what we're supposed to want that it makes it hard to hear, acknowledge, and pursue our desires. We hear the message that we should want to do well in school, but we don't get a lot of acknowledgement if we just really don't like school. 
Maybe you don't like learning. You don't like being taught. You don't like sitting in a classroom, but you should. We get messages saying we should be interested in boys and romance and dating, and maybe you're not. We get messages saying we should care what other people think about us and put more focus on what others think about us than what we genuinely want. So you absolutely can want your husband to listen to you with tenderness. Wanting that from a place of worthiness and confidence is a beautiful thing. And it feels very different than needing it. Needing it feels desperate and icky, but wanting it feels, I think, equally as vulnerable, but a little more empowered. You might even find out that your husband wants it too. He wants to know how to listen in a way that gives you this feeling you're looking for, helps you feel supported. So give yourself permission to want what you want because you want it. Believe you are worthy of receiving it. Believe that the rest of the world wants it for you as well. Ask for it and claim it with calm leadership energy. It is a worthwhile thing to role model for your daughters, especially. So let's differentiate need from want a little more. I want everyone who's listening, I want you to think about what is a need that you have. Don't be specific. Stay general. If you get specific, then it gets icky. So maybe you have a need for peace and quiet. Maybe you have a need for security like I did or love and connection. Maybe you have a need for beauty. (laughs) So we want to go to the general picture. Instead of saying, I need you to clean up after yourself when you walk in the house, you want to say, I have a need for beauty. (laughs) When I look around, I want to see calm and the absence of clutter, right? So I want to see everything in its place. That's what you want. We all have needs, but they're never like, I need another person to act in a certain way. That is not a need. So be careful as you're thinking and asking yourself, what is the need that I have? If the need is I need you to act in a certain way, then that's not need. That's too specific and it's not within your control. It's not your business. So focus on the feeling that that action would give you. Let's say you need your kids to clean up after themselves. Well, if they did that every day, what is the feeling that you would have? Maybe it's satisfaction or respect or calm, or maybe it would calm down the mental noise chatter in your brain. And so that's the need. The need is for a quiet mind. The need is for a feeling of respect. The need is for order. So ask yourself, if I got the thing I want, what would that be giving me? That is your need, okay? So you're going to get really big picture, very broad in general. And then you're going to list five different ways that you can give that to yourself. So with the example of the kids leaving a mess, one way you can give it to yourself is to clean it up yourself. If that's what you want, you can make it happen. Two is to ask them to clean up after themselves. Make it a routine every day, same thing. Remind them of that habit that you're building. Number three, it might be to walk outside and look at nature, who's always sort of in harmony, or go to a park, or go to a shopping mall, or a store where everything is in order and everything is in its place, and 
it's not your problem to clean up. So you can go walk for a walk in nature. You can pay off your debts if you want to feel secure. You can appreciate your dog for his loving attention. Allowing yourself to feel it in many different ways. Notice how, let's say you want to feel respected. And, but we're going to take the attention off the kids cleaning up their backpacks. And you're going to say, okay, I want to feel respect. Where can I access that? Well, maybe I can walk through the library and respect the fact that our country values knowledge and information and they want to make that free and available. And maybe I respect that there are authors and books that write things that call to me and speak to my soul and think the way I think and validate my emotions. And like, there's many different ways to get the feeling that you're looking for that need met. Okay. So we've identified the need that you have. Now let's talk about what you want right now. This is where you get specific. Practice asking for what you want from a place of worthiness. This is where you can be specific and make sure to start your sentence with I want. This is how we know it's cultural social programming. Because I cannot tell you how many moms I have coached. I said, okay, you're going to repeat this sentence. I want you to do the dishes. And they'll switch it. Like, you need to do the dishes. Or they'll say, I'll say, okay, repeat after me. I want you to look me in the eye when I'm talking. And then, then instead, they'll be like, I need you to look me in the eye when I'm talking. So, Um, Please observe this with some comedy at how hard it is for you to use the words I want in a sentence to start your sentence. Okay. You're going to laugh at this socially because it's so silly that we believe we are, it's not okay for us to ask for what we want. It's just ridiculous. So notice your desire to change the sentence and practice. Ask your partner for something you want. I'm going to tell you what it's going to sound like. We're going to be very specific. I want you to rub my shoulders for five minutes. I want your help doing the dishes after dinner. I want you to listen to me for 60 seconds and then repeat back what you heard me say. A want can be really specific, okay? And it still feels vulnerable because they might say no and they might be like, oh, well, that's great that you want that. That's not what I want. So you're still putting it out there, but that's okay. You can do it with confidence. You can do it with believing that communicating your desires is worthwhile. It's something, it's a a pattern we want to break for our daughters. Okay. So try this, ask your kids for something you want. I want you to clean out the car after school today. Use your calm leadership energy. Look them in the eye. Speak with calm voice tone. Don't be like, oh, honey, it would be so great if you could just like clean out the car after you get out today because like it's a total mess. Don't use a lot of sentences. Don't make up excuses. Don't say why you need to clean. Don't be like, well, I always have to clean. You never do. And it's about time you took none of that emotional childhood stuff. Okay. This is emotional adulthood 101, asking for what you want and believing you are worthy of it. Look your child in the eye, put your hand on their shoulder, have even body posture and voice tone and say, I want you to speak kindly to your sister. Pause, hold their gaze, 
believe that they want this too. Okay. We're, can you feel it, mamas? We're getting empowered here. We are taking care of our own emotional needs while also stepping into our power, our authority, and, and believing we are worthy of asking what you want. Ask yourself for what you want. I want to drink water instead of wine tonight after dinner. I want to get up early tomorrow and write in my journal before the kids get up. I want to take three hours to myself this Saturday and do nothing. Ask the universe for what you want. I want my kid to enjoy his baseball season. I want nice weather for our camping trip next month. Ask for what you want again and again. We all want such good things. What do we want? We want peace, joy, sunshine, a break, a lovely meal. We want quiet. We want fun. We want nature. We want to get lost in a good book. Wouldn't the world be an amazing place if we all took care of our emotional needs and just went around expressing our desire for what we wanted? Remember, mamas, what you focus on expands. So if you focus on what you want and believe you are worthy of it, you will start to see it more and more. It will get bigger and bigger. Today's super mom kryptonite, under stress, we regress. Clients feel so much better after going through the 12 week super mom is getting tired coaching program that they assume that they're going to continue this like upward trajectory towards peace, love, and freedom. They're going to think all their issues are conquered and they're never going to resurface again. Oh, contraire, mon ami. (laughs) This assumption is today's super mom kryptonite because it's just not true. When challenges arise and we are hit with multiple disappointments, it is normal for old patterns to re-emerge. Expecting this to happen, expecting the problems to re-emerge, and meeting yourself with compassion is the key to progress. This happened to me last week with the move. (laughs) It's the week before putting the house on the market. My daughter's home for spring break. I'm managing roof inspectors, sewer inspectors, pest inspectors, house inspectors, plumbers, electricians, and handymen, all while trying to keep my newly staged house clean and clutter free. My brain was overwhelmed, not to mention the emotions of putting a house on the market after 22 years. So once I was there in overwhelm, I remembered, I remembered having this feeling when the kids were little. I remember walking around the house like a zombie. I'd put one glass in the dishwasher. I'd fold one towel. I'd send one email. It just felt like I couldn't accomplish anything. My mind was a fuzzy haze. I had no clarity. I didn't need a break. I didn't need a rest. I needed to get something done. And this was happening to me again last week. It's called an information bottleneck. Too much coming in at one time causes our nervous systems to go into fight, flight, or freeze. Some of my clients go into a cleaning frenzy when they feel this pressure, this time pressure, this internal or external pressure of like, I got to get things done. I can't tell you how much I envy folks who stress clean because I do not. When I feel pressure or there's too much information coming in or someone's trying to hurry me along, my nervous system goes into the freeze response. I move slower. I can't process. I can't think straight. 
This, combined with a little uh, blame and resentment towards my husband that snuck its way in just like it did in the old days, made me regress into these old familiar patterns of just this zombie mommy mode. But because I write and talk and coach clients on this all the time, I knew what to do to pull myself out of it. And guess what? It starts with (laughs) that thing you all hate and avoid, compassion and grace. The old me would have beat myself up for not being more productive, asking horrible questions like, what's wrong with me? Which never gives a good answer. So this time there was no judgment. I was disappointed at the timing of it, but I was also very curious because I'm thinking about all of you and it was motivating me to like observe myself and figure out what works, what doesn't work, what helps. How do I transition out of this mental haze? So here's what I did. I walked through the worst case scenario. What if all this doesn't get done? What if I forget an appointment? What if I paid somebody twice instead of once, whatever, all the different details that were going through my head. And guess what? If you stop beating yourself up, then there's no emergency because <laughs> the old days I would have beat myself up for making a mistake. So now it's like, oh, I just can make a mistake and move on, forgive myself. So what else helped get me out of this mental haze? Getting out of my house and into environments without a visible to-do list. Walking around the neighborhood. I took extra walks around the neighborhood with the dog. She was loving it. Getting into my car and like driving where you have the chance to buffer. So both the walking of the dog and the driving helped my brain buffer. I'm going to be talking about a different kind of buffering in an upcoming podcast. But this is the buffering where, you know, that rainbow circle on your computer when you've got too many tabs open and it just starts circling around. That's what my brain needs to do. I need to just, and moving helps that. So walking or driving helps my brain kind of sort through things and come back online, I guess. The other thing that helps was getting it out of my head and onto paper, right? I would stare at my to-do lists like on a daily basis and like, okay, focus, focus, focus. Um, So I'm not carrying it around mentally. Breaking things down into super small baby steps so that I could get the feeling of accomplishment. I delegated, I deleted, I delayed my tasks like this podcast. By doing these things, I was able to get my central nervous system back on board after only two days of zombie mommy mode, as opposed to the two years I think I spent in it when the kids were little. So remember that under stress, we regress. But if you meet it with compassion and remind yourself that you know what to do, you'll be back on track in no time. Today's Supermom Power Boost is also the quote of the day. This is from a book by Portia Nelson, and it's called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. It's pretty famous. It's from her book. There's a hole in the sidewalk, and it's great. It applies to so many different situations. So here it is, autobiography in five short chapters. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. 
Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There is a hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down another street. I just love that and love reminding my clients of that, that this is a process, not a one and done, but you are always moving the needle forward and getting closer and closer to your goals and how you want to be feeling. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. I will love you and leave you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Take care. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.